I'll say, bless the Lord. If you'll say, oh, my soul. Are we okay? I'm just bringing out a table, guys. It's not like, I'm getting grief. Thanks, buddy. I'll say, bless the Lord. If you'll say, oh, my soul. Bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. Hi, Kairos. It's okay. I can bring my own table out with help from Braxton. Thank you. Um, we're finishing up our series. Thanks, Jacoby, for reading our scripture. Uh, Halo effect, one change that changes everything. I don't know about you, but this time of year, there's one change that has changed everything in the Brooks household, and that is the proliferation of Christmas cards, Christmas gifts, and yes, Christmas bills that are arriving every day in the mail. I don't care who it comes by. It can be the mail person. It can be the UPS person. It can be some shady subcontractor in a terrorist-looking U-Haul rental van delivering packages from Amazon. But there is excitement in our house because every day stuff is arriving. My kids are like, is that for me? I don't know. And they get really, really excited. Uh, As soon as some strange person walks up to our house carrying something that we're not sure what it is at all hours of the night. The door flings open. Hey, how are you? Good. Come on in. What do you got? Great. We love you. We bless you. Hope to see you again soon. It's incredible. We're having a blast doing it. Um, and I don't know about you. It's, I feel like I want to start like just chanting the mantra of the United States Postal Service. Like neither rain nor sleet nor snow is going to keep you from me and us from you. So thank you. We will receive with joy every single thing that you're bringing here. Did you guys know that that actual phrase was quoted as, as being cited by a Greek historian, Herodotus, who said, no snow, no nor rain, nor heat, nor night keeps them from accomplishing their appointed courses with all speed. Isn't it interesting that sometimes the messenger becomes the message in delivering their package? Another famous messenger is uh, one of the Greeks who ran in 490 BC from Marathon to Athens to talk about the victory that they just had. He fought in the battle and then ran how far? 26.2 miles. And before he died, he slapped a sticker on the back of his horse that said (laughs) 26.2. It was unbelievable. True fact. At least that's what Wikipedia said. Um, Paul Revere. Best known for the night ride in 1775, the midnight ride, where he told the colonists in Lexington and Concord that the British were coming. Also so thankful that inspired a wonderful song from the Beastie Boys. That was also delightful. And during World War II, Nancy Wake, known as the White Mouse, was the most decorated service woman in the Allied forces and became the Gestapo's most wanted spy as she served as a courier for the French resistance. Sometimes the messenger becomes the message. And then in our text tonight that Jacoby just read, there is Epaphroditus. He was an unknown and unsung delivery boy, a mild-mannered messenger who was originally sent by the Philippians church to take a care package to Paul, only he forgot to do one thing, get his flu shot because apparently he got gravely and deathly ill. And back then, there's not like medicine and hospitals like we have today. If he was in serious illness, chances are death was inevitable. But the text tells us that God had mercy on him. He got revived and now Paul is sending him back. And in an ironic twist of fate, the very man who was sent to care for Paul, Paul wound up having to care for him. 
And so Paul sends him back to do apparently the job that he's not very good at, which is delivering messages and taking care of people. And he says this in the text, receive him with joy. Interesting. Why would Paul put that in there? Why would he go out of his way to send back this mild-mannered, weak, frail, and fragile little messenger boy who may be distant cousins to the little drummer boy, I'm not really sure, and instructs the church, give him a hero's welcome. He's an unsung and unseen hero, but I, when he arrives, I want you to receive with joy and even says he's ministered to my needs, he's a fellow soldier, and he is a brother in Christ. Why did he have to say all that? Why is he almost putting in the letter accommodation for the messenger who's delivering the message? We don't know for sure, but I wonder, could it be, did the Philippian church a little bit embarrassed of Epaphroditus? Like he was supposed, to, he had one job to do, go care for Paul, and he blew it. Paul wound up having to care for him. Or they in the middle of a church meeting and he was the only volunteer who raised his hand and they're like, yeah, sure, please leave. We won't miss you at all. Go right ahead. Let's get him out of here. Go. Thank you. What was going on? Were they embarrassed of him? Were they thinking, oh, Paul thinks less of us because this is who we sent? Epaphroditus, is his pride hurt? If you're a helper, you know this. Your identity and your pride is wrapped up in the fact that you help everyone else and you never need the help. And now he became one who had to receive help from someone else. Maybe some of the other Philippians were struggling with that and he wanted to say, hey, receive with joy someone who knows how to take care of other people and knows now how to be taken care of. I don't know. Maybe when he ride with the letter, because there's some pretty strong words in here, like don't grumble and complain. And then maybe Paul was calling for a seven-day fast in that church from that. And there's two women who are sitting on the opposite ends of the pew with arms crossed. Maybe he knew that the message would incite anger both at the message and the messenger. So he instructs them, receive with joy. I'm, I'm struggling a little bit here. I, I mean, I've spent some time studying God's word and spending time with Paul and listening and learning from his life, his mission and his message. And this sounds a little bit uncharacteristic of Paul, right? This is the dude, right? He's this battle-scarred, rugged, former militia member of the Pharisaical execution squad turned pioneering Navy SEALs pastor who's dropped behind enemy lines in hostile territories with hostile people and hostile government. This is a guy who now is taking little, fragile, weak, little Epaphroditus and sending him home and say, receive him with joy. He is a soldier. He is a brother and he is a pastor and you need to honor him and celebrate him. Uh, this is a Paul, right? He's got battle scars to prove it. He's half blind gospel war vet who has been beaten, tortured, starved. Um, he's been shipwrecked. He's been snake bitten. He's been rejected. He's been ridiculed and he does not suffer fools lightly. John Mark got homesick and he said, bump that boy and go with me on the next trip. It wasn't until the end of his life, he's like, bring him back, he can apologize to me. That's a loose paraphrase, obviously. <laughs> now, holds up this two-line character in the New Testament and says, soldier, brother, minister, honor him and receive him with joy. Why would he do that? 
where is that coming from? I think one of the reasons is that Epaphroditus and the church was needed to be instructed to sing the praises of an unsung and an unseen hero. And sometimes the messenger is the message. That's what this season's about, right? God's message of love comes through his messenger, Jesus, and he incarnates himself into our lives. And what we're trying to do during this holiday season is understand that we bear the message of the hope of the gospel and God wants to incarnate himself through us as we live with joy and peace and hope and faith and love. Now, I know what you guys are saying. Hey, all of us, we may not be called to be big grand role players in the kingdom of God like Paul or Timothy or Phoebe or Esther. Fair enough. But I will say this, every single one of us will be given an opportunity over the next week, ample opportunity to be called to be Epaphroditus, to care, to minister to those in need and to be a witness that God's grace and mercy is truly sufficient in our time of need and it will require you not playing it safe. You may get sick, you may get tired, you may get hurt, you may even fail. But I am telling you that going into this holiday season in your families and in this world, we are in the midst of a dangerous deficit of men and women who feel called to be Epaphroditus to minister to those who are in need and not turn a blind eye. I thank God for the countless Epaphroditus I see every week here in this ministry. The men and women who are unseen and unsung, from our hospitality team to our greeters, to our Bible reading group leaders, to the men and women that clean this room and have faith that can move mountains so they can actually move the bleachers back in and out. And if you saw that happen, you would be like, wow, could you pray for me? Because that was incredible. But perhaps the most unseen and unsung heroes in this room tonight are our tech team. They help me deliver a message. And the way that they operate is they think they're doing their jobs when you don't notice them. And I just wanna say to each and every one of you tonight, I see you, I honor you, and I receive with joy your service and your sacrifice, and we say thank you. Now I get all the credit, yeah, that's good. And maybe I need to do a better job of sharing it with you guys. You know how many emails I get on a weekly basis about people who get to watch online? Church leaders from around the country. knowing Kairos is inspiring us to present the gospel in honest and unique ways so that we can reach the next generation. Two college students from Romania who came to Kairos, who now are trying to start a church in a hostile area that's spiritually dry, and in order to gather a group of believers, they huddle around a laptop and they watch Kairos online. And I'll never forget the story of a girl Stephanie befriended. It was being brought out of human trafficking and she got to befriend her, but unfortunately she got lured back into that lifestyle. Sent her an email a couple weeks later and says, I'll never forget you and I'll never forget Kairos. I'm in a house currently with 15 girls who are being trafficked and we're huddled in the closet watching Kairos together. And that's because of the Epaphroditus you see all around you. Sometimes. The message is the messenger. And what, if that's true, then I wanna ask you a question. Going into the next couple weeks, what message is your life lived delivering? 
at work, with your words, in your finances, in your friendships, in your recreation, in your conversations? What message are you communicating to people? Is it one of faith, hope, love, and joy? Is it one that receives with joy all the inconveniences that come your way so that you can declare and demonstrate the glory and goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Um, my wife sends me a lot of messages all the time. I mix them up, but um, one of them is when she's tired, uh, she's gonna get on the couch in her PJs and she's gonna watch a romantic movie. Now, in my insecurity, as I interpret that as like, what, am I not doing my job right? She's just like, we have four kids and I'm tired. Get your hands off me. That's what that means. <laughs> and so uh, one time, because I'm the best husband ever or never, either way you wanna interpret that from the Greek, um, I, I walk in the, to the family room after the kids are asleep and I see her in that mode curled up and it's a romantic movie and it's British voices and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so boring right now. Please, just as long as it's not on the Hallmark, Hallmark Channel, we'll be okay. And so I decide, you know, to be selfless and sacrificial and I sit down next to her and I know what she wants to do is stick her cold feet on me so they can warm up. And I know all she's gonna do basically is fall asleep in the next five minutes anyway. So that's great, I'll give you that gift. And so I sit there and I watch this dumb movie. It's called About Time. And then Rachel McAdams is in it. And then some homely looking British dude who ultimately was in Star Wars. I start watching it, I'm like, this is dumb. And then all of a sudden, there's time travel in it, and I'm like, now I'm interested. <laughs> this is cool. Come to find out, it's not a romantic comedy. It's a story about a father and son. All right, here's my wounds. Let's heal them, Jesus. Here we go. And so I get hook, line, and sinker into this movie, and it's about a father who has the gift of time travel, teaches it to his son, and then how he tries to go back and correct a bunch of stuff, but it actually just makes it worse. And in the end, his father is dying and he can only visit with him a little bit more times. And then this is one of the closing monologues of the movie. This is Tim, the young man. And so my dad told me his secret formula for happiness. Part one of the two-part plan was just to get on with my ordinary life, living it day by day like anyone else. But then came part two of dad's plan. He told me then to go back and time travel and live every day again almost exactly the same. The first time with all the tensions and the worries that stop us from noticing how sweet the world can be. But the second time, noticing. In the end, I think I've finally learned the lesson, final lesson from my travels in time. And I've even gone one step further than my dad did. The truth now is I don't travel back at all, not even for one day. I just try to live every day as if I've deliberately come back to this one day to enjoy it, as if it was the full final day of my extraordinary, ordinary life. There is so much joy that the Father wants to give you, but it's disguised in your ordinary life, in your ordinary families, in your ordinary work day, in your ordinary school day. But if we could just by the power of the Holy Spirit receive it with joy, then maybe 
the message could live inside of us as messengers. Amen? So let's take 120 seconds. We're going to practice some reflective. Refractive? That's great, Chris. That's a new word. Reflective. Good grief. Just, just pray. Next, next week, we're talking about praying in tongues. Um, yes. Thank you. So let's just take a minute, and I want you to think about an Epaphroditus in your life, someone who ministered to your need, someone who was a brother or sister, someone who was a fellow soldier who came alongside of you to minister to you in a time of need. Just begin to picture that person and name them. And just thank God that he sent his message of love through that person. Now I want you to take a second and think over the next five to 10 days about the people you will encounter. And is there someone you're called to be Epaphroditus to? Someone maybe the Holy Spirit's been nudging you and you've been ignoring. Maybe someone that's difficult or needy and you just said, I don't have time for that. Maybe it's a phone call to a family member who you've neglected to speak to for a while. Is there anyone that the Holy Spirit would bring to your mind? And perhaps he's saying, I have joy I want them to receive. And you're the messenger and the message. Lord, unless we receive your joy in all the ordinary ways every day from you, we're going to miss out on what matters most. We don't want to be selfish. We want to be sacrificial. We don't want to be conceited. We want to be considerate. We don't want to just look out to our own interests. We want to look to the interests of others. And we want you to increase our capacity to receive joy. And in doing so, would you increase our capacity to provide it for other people? In Jesus' name, amen.